0: damn fine cup of coffee. Uh, You can add that to my running list of David Lynch homages but at the same time uh, that's because I'm drinking some of David Lynch's very own coffee. Shout out to Allegro coffee. Not a sponsor obviously but damn I'm hopped up so I figured I'd mention it just to let y'all know what you're about to get into. We're feeling caffeinated today. (laughs) Um, this is Requiem for a Tuesday, uh, if you were somehow here by accident, I am once again and probably always will be Adam Pecora. Um, rate, review, subscribe to the show, follow me on Instagram at adam.rfat, uh, we got an email at rfatpodcast at gmail.com, so all those things, do all those things, and yeah. So, for a little frame of reference, I'm recording this on Sunday morning, um because i sometimes i usually go for like monday morning but uh at the end of this episode uh going to be making my bold nfl predictions so if you are tapped in to <laughs> to what uh has been going on in this program i made my nba picks but like without watching you know what I mean? Like, didn't really pay attention to the bubble and then just kind of went with whatever pretty loosely. Uh, obviously, those were inaccurate, and I'll probably make some picks for what's going forward. But anyway, my point is uh, end of the episode today. Going to be doing NFL picks and wanted to get the tracking in before uh, bias sets in. <laughs> Because uh, heartbreak starts week one, ladies and gentlemen. Especially if you are a Chicago Bears fan like I am. Pretty much a lose-lose for us. So, But I'm going to do that at the end. Because um, we got some other stuff to go into, ladies and gentlemen. And um, frankly, I'm feeling pretty emotional about all of it. Now... This is a bit of a complicated issue for me, a conflicting issue, if you will, because I, uh, yesterday, in preparation for the episode, you know, getting ready, doing my homework, I watched, I'm thinking of ending things, the new Charlie Kaufman. Movie, I guess, if we want to call it a movie. Spoiler alert for this opinion, I fucking hated it. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to work our way backwards. You know how I like to get creative with my narrative storytelling here. So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. And I'm going to give a little Kaufman rundown from my perspective. You know what I mean? I, I obviously don't know anything frankly. Let's just be honest. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, Charlie Kaufman, for any background, is, I mean, I probably would have said up until this point, not that this movie knocked it so bad, but I'm kind of rethinking things. Just, I'll get to that. Um, My favorite writer, period, for movies. I mean, let's let's go down the list, shall we? Okay, so we open with being John Malkovich. Huge. Okay. Human nature? Eh. I'm going to go through all these individually in a minute, but adaptation, fucking home run, dangerous mind? Eh. But, you know, there's some things in that. Eternal sunshine? Come on. We don't even got to talk about it. Synecdoche? Little Hoff? Rip? Rip Hoff? Sorry. Rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. What a true artist. That See, that comes off as a joke. I promise. Absolutely love Philip Seymour Hoffman. And also, side note while we're talking about that, um, his son wa- is confirmed to be in the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which uh, hitter, 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 going to be fucking great. Another San Fernando Valley set movie? Come on, what more could you want? But uh, I digress. Um, I think that uh, PTA will end up coming up later. At this rate. Anyway, where are really we leave off? So Psych Key New York, big break. You know, then we go animation debut Anomalisa. Crazy. Okay, we're gonna get into that one. And then we land with I'm thinking of ending things, which boy, I'm gonna have a lot to say. Already do. I will. I did yesterday. I will tomorrow. <laughs> but uh including on this episode. So we're gonna get there. I would also like to let the record show that uh, that sip at the beginning was genuine and was like the third one. So I'm just indicating that uh, we're about only four sips in so far, ladies and gentlemen. So if you have never been on a motorboat, (laughs) you're going to be in for a treat. Let me tell you that. Don't put me on two speed. You'll never hear a word. Something I've learned. I don't even really work on 1.5. If you listen to this show on 1.5, I mean, shout out to you. You must listen to like a lot of Twista and Busta Rhymes and shit, and you're just like, fast is my mode. Um, I would recommend at least cutting your Adderall dosage because I think that you're probably moving too quick for your own good, and that's going to catch up with you at some point in time. Get some sleep. Um, I don't know, eat some CBD. Seems to be what all the kids are doing. I can't speak on it, but, uh, you know, some things help. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. All right. So, for the record, so I'm going to go through these in order, like I said. Uh, I I didn't see these in order. I'll try to remember as I go along. I know I definitely saw Eternal Sunshine first. That was the big one, uh, especially if you're like a sad kid. You know, all the sad little kids, they love shit about just like being sad. <laughs> you know? Um, but I mean, Eternal Sunshine is obviously much more than just a sad boy flick. It's just like, you know, when you're in high school and think that like your life is terrible. You're going to watch that movie and be like, oh, you know, I get it. I've been through this when, obviously, that is not the case. Great flick. You know, back-to-back weeks where we're just going to be rapping Kate Winslet, which, boy, what what a treat that is. You know, can I just make this into a Kate Winslet show? Probably not. But uh, doesn't mean we can't try. Right, everybody? All right. So let's tap in. Let's get it started. So 1999, we got Bing John Melfich. Now, Charlie Kaufman's background was in, like, television on, like, sitcoms and shit. I don't really know how any of that works. I think he just worked his way up the biz. Don't know if, like, the shows he was on were, like, super hidden gems or maybe they were just, like, you know, technically well-written. I'm not sure. But, uh, frankly... The thing about Charlie Kaufman that's great is you there's not it doesn't really make sense how any of these movies got made because the premises are unlike anything you would get. Basically, this is exactly my lane. <laughs> it's hundred percent what I'm looking for in movies is Charlie Kaufman style, David Lynch style, you know, like they, it all just like fits a pattern of things I like. If we can go meta, if we can go surreal, Um, in Kaufman's case, combining, uh, probably Lynch's too, but I mean, that guy, you can't figure that guy out, which I'm going to get into when we get, when we get caught up because frankly, I'm livid, but so being John Malkovich, 99, this is when Charlie Kaufman was just a writer. And, uh, I think that that is a pivotal thing. Um, I don't know if he should be directing his own movies, but we'll get to that when we get to the directorial stuff. So, being John Malkovich, 99, directed by Spike Jones. Huge move. Spike Jones, big skateboarding guy, music video guy. Obviously, later an Oscar winner and all that stuff. But uh, they pretty much worked exclusively for them from the beginning. It was either Spike Jones or Michel Gondry working with Charlie Kaufman amazing collaborations it went well so yeah but anyway 99 I learned about this movie through I love the 90s which is basically how I learned about everything I know in life so shout out to Michael Ian Black and company um I really don't know what to say other than this movie's fucking amazing uh never seen anything like it before or since really a uh, very specific thing uh huge for John Malkovich. let's just say um um but I mean you know a guy works on a half floor he's a puppeteer he finds a portal into the mind of this actor I it doesn't get much better than that um little Cusack not looking like himself so that's fun (laughs) um you gotta love Katherine Keener she's only aged phenomenally you know the roles just kept getting better for her as time went on Uh, I'm gonna say being John Malkovich aged incredibly well, especially as he has gone into more of a A A-list type guy, you know, it was like a character actor thing at the time. Anyway, overall, phenomenal movie, you know, is basically just what I'm getting at. The writing is unbelievable, all the shit that happens, like you would never, ever think of this idea. It is just brilliant and brilliant and brilliant. I think Oscar nominated didn't win, you know, probably some bullshit. You know, I'm going to assume that it's just like it didn't go over well at the time. I mean, it did, but you know what I mean? Like they wanted their fucking, I don't know, period, peace, garbage or wait. No, 99. So that's the American beauty year, I think. So, you know, that didn't age well. (laughs) I think if we could go back, everybody would probably pick being John Malkovich instead. Uh, but if you haven't seen Being John Melford, just go see it. It is unbelievable. It's nothing like you're going to see still. I mean, yeah. Don't know how it got made. Absolutely excited that it did, and we're going to move on. Human nature, okay? Not very good. Let's just be honest. Uh, It's like a comedy, I guess. Not very funny. (laughs) Uh, This was Michel Gondry with Kaufman. Uh, If you haven't seen it, Don't. I mean, it was pretty hard to find. Frankly, I had to like go through it. So I was in a big Kaufman phase. I was like, I got to see all of these flicks, despite what the reviews tell me. I'm like, come on, it's got to be pretty good. It's Kaufman, you know, come on. It's some weird thing about like a caveman who like makes it to the present. But then like the scientist like wants to become an ape like with him it's dumb. It's dumb. Uh, but I mean, like all Charlie Kaufman, there's like existential stuff. There's, you know, weird off kilter things. Just, you know, a lot of self-reflection and all that stuff. And it gets a little weird. It's just too broad. Like the, the humor in it is too broad. A lot of just body humor because of like the eight people. I barely remember it, frankly. I kind of had to like sit through it so much as just like watch it and then not like it 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 was pretty rough at points so that's definitely a skippable but i mean it's pretty much aces the rest of the way so this is just like a little blip until now obviously but we're gonna you know we're swinging back we're getting there then we go to the fucking gem my one of the one of my favorite movies period i would say this when i saw this this changed my life frankly Uh, So this came out in 2002. By the way, what a tear this guy was on. From 99 to 2002, he had four movies. Two in 2002. But, like, you know, your first script gets you a fucking Oscar. You're going to be working for quite a bit. And, I mean, Jesus. But adaptation, okay... I didn't see it when it came out in 2002 obviously. I was 7 years old. <laughs> but I saw it pro- a long time ago at this point and I've seen it many times since. This was I guess what taught me what meta is, like meta commentary, meta comedy, whatever. Like it gave it it gave it a name. It I knew that this was what I wanted, but I didn't know it. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that this could happen. And it really hasn't up to this point. But, like, the movie is basically a gonzo, journalistic adaptation of a novel. Because, so the plot of the movie is about Charlie Kaufman trying to adapt this book into a novel but the movie itself is the adaptation of the novel so it's like him writing about him doing the movie in real life and it just gets multi-layered from there and it just kind of keeps going and you can't blur the line between like what's a movie what's the <laughs> adaptation and that's what happens in the movie and it's kind of unavoidable so it's crazy <laughs> is my point but what's the most impressive thing about it is that you don't need the context of that to make it better. The movie's totally great on its own. You don't need to understand that Charlie Kaufman is the writer. You don't need to be aware of everything. Like You don't need the context, which is huge, and it's still great. I mean, Meryl Streep's fucking in it. Like It's just hitter performances, again, crazy writing, Ch- Charlie Kaufman Wrote a fictional brother for himself. And then they won the Oscar together. First fictional guy to win an Oscar. I mean it doesn't get much better than that. When you bring your fake character into reality. Um, A comparison that I'm going to make later. Or I guess it'll apply later to the newest film. um, That comes to mind is. The movie I'm Still Here. Like the Casey Affleck documentary about Joaquin Phoenix because that movie as a movie is garbage but that movie with context I think is pretty good right so like that was when he did his whole like perf- live performance art of like I'm going to destroy my career thing he did like the letterman where he puts gum on the table and then says he's going to be a rapper gains a bunch of weight it's like amazing that you would do that so I think like as a performance art piece Him destroying his career, totally amazing, because we all believed it, we all bought into it. He's a genius. I mean, I became a Joaquin guy right after that. But that movie sucks. You know, because they don't don't tell you. So it's like just a documentary, and it kind of just looks bad. Like, they take the movie too seriously. I don't really know how you'd reveal it, but outside of, like, the context of when it came out and, like, You know, you got to read about it. So anyway, long-winded way of just saying you shouldn't have to know things going in is my opinion. Because, uh, I mean, a movie is released widely. You can't expect a bunch of people to, like, read your fucking brochure first so they understand everything, right? It's up to the filmmaker to make sure everybody gets what's going on. Or at least... The pieces are there for you to pick up what's going on, right? It doesn't need to be spelled out. Nobody likes that. Well, a lot of people like that. Considering the Avengers is the biggest you know, whatever, we're not gonna get into that either. Not even halfway through the cup, by the way. So isn't it weird how like I'm all hopped up on caffeine, but I'm just like bouncing around, like I can't even can't even keep a coherent thing. Watch adaptation, okay It'll blow your goddamn mind I promise And like, I feel like the biggest deterrent Will be like Nicolas Cage Keep in mind this was 2002, it was different Okay And keep in mind like, he's in the Coppola family He's an Oscar winner It's like, if the film's good Cage is gonna be good in it You know Pretty much any actor's only as good as the script Is a common thing I don't know how true that is Nick Cage is just the only guy who's a good actor that'll be in anything. Like, he'll be in anything. So it's like, if if like Quentin Tarantino got Nicolas Cage, sure it would be great. Nicolas Cage was great and wild at heart. You know, that was pre-Oscar. Barely, but, you know what I mean? Like, he, he has his moments. He would have been amazing as Superman. We don't even need to get into Superman Lives right now, because what a dream that would have been. Look that up if you haven't seen it. There's a movie about it, also phenomenal. A nice little doc. But then we move on, okay? I cannot stress enough how much you should see adaptation, though. Like, It's just, like, the levels of it blows my mind just thinking about it every time. And just a phenomenal movie. They, like... The Orchid game is crazy. (laughs) That's all I gotta say. And also the screenwriting game. Don't want anything to do with it. There's an incredibly cringeworthy scene where he, like, tries to ask a woman out, and it is like, bro, that is rough. Like, it is so painful what happens. And very terrifying for the future, you know? Definitely don't want to be alone when you're 45 or however old he was. He wasn't 45, I don't think, but... Actually, maybe. It's just, like, I can totally see it happening. Because eventually... You're going to need to just ask everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to be like, I- I'm old as shit right now. Anybody that's remotely nice with a slight smile, I got to try to make a move. We got to get this train rolling, okay? It's been a long time. Just, just, so that's frightening. But also, like, I will say I haven't been broad enough, I guess, with my topics on Kaufman because he generally is great at that. It's all always great at showcasing like little awkward moments, just human condition stuff. It's always like, "Oh man, oh, I know what that is." You know what I mean? Like being John Malkovich is kind of about like being a failure. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, the guy plays puppeteer, but I mean, come on. You know, puppeteer. Jesus Christ. And that's that's the, that's the reaction they give him in the movie. But you know, human nature, human nature so it's always about that, like adaptation is about like the creative process and how he can't do it, all that stuff, but also about human connection. Uh, then we go to Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Now this was a Clooney directed movie, I believe, and apparently he took the script and like fucked it all up, which is insane. Like why even hire this guy to do it unless he wrote the movie first and then Clooney became attached? I don't really know the whole story. Uh, but, like, it's fine. I mean, I, I love Sam Rockwell ever since Charlie's Angels, let's be honest. That's that's what drew me in. Um, and, I mean, Drew Barrymore is in Confessions, too, so I don't know if they were just, like, filming those back-to-back. Back. They came out, like, the same year, I think, so that's exciting. But, yeah, apparently the script was dramatically changed, which makes sense as to why the movie isn't that great. Uh, but interesting story, I mean, the host of the gong show claimed to be a CIA agent, and they kind of try to depict that as if it's real, but you can't really tell, because we don't really know, still, which is kind of annoying. When things like this happen, I just want to say, like, government, you know, if there's some dude who says he was CIA, just, just, just put a press release out, say if it was true or not, and just be honest. What's the difference? You know? Like... At this point, why don't we just admit whether or not that happened? I would like to know. Because now we got this movie, we got the book. We're just going to assume it's true. I kind of believed it, frankly. Wouldn't that be sick? If, like, your favorite silly game show host was just, like, fucking a CIA operative just taking people out in Prague on a Tuesday? Comes back. What's behind door number three? A fucking pistol. Bam. Uh, but that's that's definitely a skipful one. So I would say skip confessions, skip human nature. Just because you're not you're not missing anything. And you're not really getting the essence of what like his films are. They have they have a fantasy, almost sci-fi element to them. I feel like when he's at his peak. Okay, this is the point that's gonna be really important for I'm thinking of ending things. If you look at being John Malkovich, I guess I wouldn't call it sci fi so much as fantasy because like there's no explanation as to what happens and why. Um, but it's definitely rooted. it's definitely rooted grooted. Vin Diesel is deep in my brain. That's what that means. So that's a problem. Uh, But it's definitely rooted in that realm. You know what I mean? Like some type of fantastical thing that couldn't really happen. Um, Human nature, same thing. It's about like a caveman who goes, whatever. Um, Adaptation, I guess, not so much, but I mean, given that it's supposed to be based on a nonfiction book definitely goes way off the rails and pretty extreme with it and goes into a lot of like just things within charlie kaufman's head and like i don't know since since that one's more about like the creative process it's a little bit different but i would still put it in the same realm like there's definitely a surrealist element i guess that that's one of the two things or both right it's gonna either be Dreamlike? I guess that's a better way to put it or just a straight up like fantastical thing. Um, I hesitate on dreamlike just because I know like Michelle Gondry has that movie about sleeping and that's also like Lynch's thing, so it's just like I don't want to root all surrealism and just lump it into the category of It's dreamlike. Because um, I also <clears throat> don't think that that's necessarily like a direct thing that Kaufman's going for like every time. Whereas David Lynch seems to be pretty fascinated by all that and rightfully so. <clears throat> and they could not be more different. But I'm again, I'm going to get to that comparison. So we move on to Eternal Sunshine also hits the same thing, sci-fi, fantasy, but also showing a dreamlike thing, you know, it takes place in people's heads, so there's all that, the surrealist element, like, you don't really know what's going on, what's real at any time, it jumps around timelines, this was also, I saw this movie first, absolutely, like I said, probably shortly after it came out, you know, like, whenever it hit cable, after, because it was definitely on, like, HBO or something like that, probably saw it around that time. And I mean, to this day, the best Jim Carrey performance, it's not even close. And we're just like, bro, would you just make more dramas? I just don't get it. Like, we go back to Sandler in Uncut Gems. Just do it. I mean, I'm sorry. You're so good. It's like, why are you intentionally just making shit? I get you're probably having a good time you know but why can't you do like four for you and then like one for us because it's weird too like in sandler's case the one for us is the indie movie you know all the movies for sandler are the mainstream ones those are the ones we don't want to see it's fucking backwards <sighs> i'm sorry i just re-watched the wedding singer i'm just in a big sandler mode it's like god this guy's great You know, somebody get this guy a good fucking movie to be in. Insane. Absolutely insane. But yeah, Jim Carrey, fucking amazing. I mean, early Ruffalo, you know, young Elijah Wood. I think this was already after Lord of the Rings. But whatever. Doesn't matter. Just all stars across the board. Kate Winslet, unbelievable. Did she win an Oscar for this movie? I'm going to have to look. Because if not, it's like, the, the Academy's just fucking pathetic. Yeah, because uh, that was the million-dollar baby year, so that's bullshit. Everyone else in the category, I don't even know. I don't even know. So, come on. Bullshit. Like, definitely not memorable is what I'm saying. Not that I don't know the extras, But you know what I mean? Like, Kaufman getting no love. However, he did get the Screenplay Award for this one, so pretty sick. But I mean, if you haven't seen Eternal Sunshine, come on. Two lovers try to erase each other from each other's minds, and then they try to save each other from just—I guess Jim Carrey's character's mind. But none of the more can be said. It's just fucking amazing. You don't really know what's going on at any time. The reveal is good. Keeps you guessing the whole time, and that's what a good Kaufman movie does. I mean, they're not predictable by any stretch of the imagination. If you think you know where it's going, you don't. I mean, I it's one of those movies where you kind of wish you could go back and watch it for the first time again just to experience that realization of what's happening, but great movie. I mean, Kirsten Dunst is not it. Dunst? During the Spider-Man era? Like, just hitters across the board. Uh, I would think, I would say that in like all-encompassing it's probably the most like well-rounded because like i don't think that there's a part that i don't want to see in this movie like you look forward to every single part um and like i said that's only not true in adaptation because it is so accurately cringy at times that it's just tough (laughs) it's just tough to watch a truly lonely man be truly lonely (laughs) I can't handle it. It's just like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so that's just a personal thing. And here's where we get into the tough the tough stretch, I would say. Well, I think that this is where the argument comes in, that there's a tough stretch, right? <sighs> so we hit Synecdoche, New York. Great name, very clever. Again, Philip Seymour. One, of, I mean, one of the best actors I've ever seen. Have you seen Along Came Polly? Doesn't get much better than that. But seriously, love Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't know who was better. Frankly, like that's a tough call to say. Like who who was better than him? Joaquin maybe at this point. He's maybe gotten there. But. I think after The Master, like, that's when they hit each other on the same level. But, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, just every time, just hitters. He was unbelievable in this, carried the whole movie, obviously. It's about his character. Uh, If you don't know what this is, this one was, like, way more under the radar. This was his directorial debut. So, what I'm getting at is that (laughs) I don't think... He's a good director. I don't think he should direct his own movies. I think that if Key New York, was directed by either Spike Jonze or Michel Gondry, or someone new if he wanted to start another collab thing, I think it would have been better. I think that this lacked all the visually interesting things that would have happened, and I think that that remained true when I'm thinking of ending things. Again, we'll get there, because boy, oh boy, (laughs) do I have a lot to say. I'm just buttering y'all up. You hear this? This is good radio. You know what I mean. After the break, we're talking Cubs first place. We're not talking Cubs. Don't worry. Uh, but next key New York is ba- Philip Seymour Hoffman's character gets like a genius grant for his like artistic ability, whatever. So basically, he wants to make an experimental theater project that is just like New York City in reality. So the sets become more and more extravagant to the point where they're just like full-on cities, and then it's like the play is within the play, and then there's like it—it it just bec- the play itself becomes so meta that like everyone is playing everyone playing everyone, and it just like doubles, 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 and it's basically this guy wants to work on it so bad that like his entire life passes by. So I'm sure some metaphor for how Charlie Kaufman is diving into these scripts and neglecting his family. <laughs> but uh, the illusion is like the passage of time keeps happening and then a bunch of shit goes down in between and then they kind of reveal it through the plot, which I, or through the dialogue, which I don't like. Like, it's lazy. So this is the problem that I have with him directing his own movie, is that... All the like I said, all the visual elements go away. Like there's a house that is permanently on fire in the movie, and it just doesn't work. Like it's just dumb for me. I'm sorry. Like as much as you might want like a better explanation, the things that happen in it are just like silly because they're not. There's no visual element in the storytelling. It's just like he literally just films exactly what he wrote, and I think that. I think he's better suited having a director take his work and do things with it. Now maybe Sneck Key New York would have been exactly the same. It's hard to say. But I don't think it works. I mean, Roger Ebert loved it. He thinks he thought it was like the best movie of the decade, but The thing is, like, for a guy who's so big on his like thematic elements to his scripts, it's just like he went too far with it to where not enough just actually happens on screen. There's too much subtext going on where it's like, oh, I have to analyze all of it. I'm not really into that. You know, there is a weird thing where, I don't know, stuff keeps happening with like his daughter that doesn't make any sense. So you just got to watch it. For I don't want to give anything away because it still is good. It still is interesting. But I would definitely put this on bottom tier. Kaufman, you know, I'll put this with human nature and confessions, but it's like the best of the B team. You know what I mean? It's like about to get called up. I would call Synecdoche the sixth man <laughs> of the Kaufman movies. Um, um even though it's probably like the fourth or fifth best, you know, he just doesn't have that many. So <laughs> that metaphor doesn't work out as great. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's 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 odd and not and it's just not in the same way because the other movies are are also odd you know they're about weird and strange things like i said but what makes those other ones good is that they're entertaining and they work as mainstream movies i mean cuz especially when they came out we're talking early 2000s there was no straight to netflix you know, just like I'm thinking of ending things was, there was no straight to anything. A studio was making your movie or it was an indie movie. Like those were the two options. So these were like studio pictures coming out in theaters with everything else. And they, they had both, right? This is the key thing, I think. And this is always my, this is my favorite thing, period. in Movies, TV, and music. Always. This is like my genre. It's what is something that has a mainstream, wide audience appeal but also doesn't compromise anything artistic and, like, tries to be its own, it tries to be unique? It can do both. Like, what can be both artistic and commercial, right? Because that's the sweet spot. You know what I mean? Like, I would say my te- technically my favorite genre of music is, like, experimental pop right because i like the weird shit i like when shit goes down but also like i mean i'm trying to enjoy it <laughs> you know what i mean which is uh the big point i have from thinking of ending things because jesus christ <laughs> uh but like that that's where his appeal always lies, being john malkovich like you can sit through that movie no problem adaptation i don't think that these are like difficult to get through, like you want to know what happens. You're interested. The characters have depth. They're people you care about. Them. You want to know where the story's gonna go, and you don't know. Like it pulls you in. It hooks you in. You're like, holy shit, where? You know what I mean? It's unpredictable. It's a roller coaster. All the meanwhile, a bunch of smart, <laughs> well-written things are being said, and you know what I mean. And you want these characters are amazing, and I think that that starts to drop off with Snake key New York right like you can't be invested because it's just weird for being weird it's like look this building's on fire it's her apartment we're just gonna not talk about it not that I wanted them to talk about it you know I mean I think they mention it but like that's not the point you know what I mean it's like hey look at how weird this is and that was why I held off on saying that Kaufman stuff is surreal I like saying it's more rooted in fantasy or sci-fi because those are the scripts that are good when the movie is about something, like it has a plot, and then like the fantastical element of it is intertwined within the plot and it's a part of the movie. Whereas Snake Key, New York, is about a thing, and then just weird shit happens on top of it. You know, like it's not organic. In being John Malkovich, I mean, it's about a portal into a guy's mind. Weird shit's going to happen. You know, like, it's part of it. It's all one cohesive element. Same thing with, you know, I guess you can say adaptation again. That one's a little... That one's just too crazy to really put it in a box. But Eternal Sunshine, same thing. Like, the entire plot is about a thing that doesn't exist. So it they can get weird, you know? And it takes place in someone's mind, like crazy shit should be happening. You know what I mean? the like G New York is a guy making a play. You know, and like it's it, like I said, it's like rich with a bunch of subtext, but like, you know, there's a time and a place. You got to know what you're doing. Like I you know what I mean? It's it, it's, just, it's just uneven in tone when your plot's pretty straightforward and then a bunch of shit just keeps happening. It's like this doesn't make any sense, and I feel like maybe with a better director it would make more sense. I don't know. You know, I feel like maybe he wanted too much of his script in there. I don't really know. I don't know what gets cut, what doesn't get cut, all of that shit. It's too hard to gauge stuff like that, but it's it, it didn't work. Didn't work for me. Anyway, we're going to move on to Anomalisa now. So this is the counter argument for directing, but it's animated, so I feel like it's different. You know, directing an animated film, I feel like, is a lot different. I feel like you almost have to be involved in it for that to go your way. But this movie's cool, I think, because it's stop motion, but, like, intentionally looks as realistic as possible. So it's a little bit jarring. Like, they tried very hard to make all the models and sets just look real. And uh, it's cool. This movie's about a guy who is, uh, he's like some traveling salesman Ace guy who does those lame, like, marketing convention speeches at hotels, and he's like a god to sales guys. You know, one of those generic stories. It's similar to Up in the Air, which overrated. Also, man, I'm really bagging on Clooney this episode. Sorry, George. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll even that out at some point. Uh, But the cool thing is everyone he sees has the same face and the same voice. You know, very clever metaphor for, like, not knowing anybody and just traveling around, being lonely. Same thing. So it explores regular Charlie Kaufman things, but is a little bit weird, a little bit off. And then he meets a woman who he can actually see her face and hear her voice. And he's, like, you know, enthralled that he's actually excited about something for once. Uh, And some cool stuff happens. But just on a technical level, it's dope to watch. It's short. It's very short, which is probably what makes it uh, so good. If this one was stretched out into two hours like all of his other stuff, I don't think that it would be very effective. Um, But interesting to see him make an animated film. like As unexpected as it gets, probably what I would have said about Wes Anderson when he did that and... In a similar way to Wes Anderson, they both, like, really did their own thing with their animation. And it's very uniquely a Charlie Kaufman movie and an animated movie. So I'm going to put... That one rounds out the A tier. Okay? So my ranking is Adaptation 1, Sunshine 2, Malkovich 3, okay... Then we probably go Anomalisa 4, Synecdoche 5, uh I guess Dangerous Mind 6, Human Nature 7, and definitely I'm thinking of ending things last at 8, which we are gonna dive into right now, unfortunately. Uh I fucking hated this movie. I was so excited, okay? Love Charlie Kaufman. Couldn't be happier He had A new movie coming out. Netflix exclusive. Jesse Plemons is in it. Who, as I think I've said before, is the next Michael Shannon. Even as Michael Shannon continues to roll strong. Um, feel like they could be pretty much interchangeable in anything. <laughs> you know? Probably except Breaking Bad. Just because of age. Um, and on that note, I will say, just for the record, all performances are great. I would pretty much say that this is entirely on Charlie Kaufman as a total shit show. And I don't understand how this has like g- g- even good reviews. This movie fucking sucked. It was horrible. <laughs> I mean, I really I wanted to like it. I found myself checking how much time was left constantly. You know? And it's two hours and 15 minutes long. An hour in, I was like, this has to be almost over. And I almost shut it off. And then, you know, I looked up the summary of the plot, and I found out that things changed a little bit right after the point I was at. Shouldn't have kept going. I just kept saying, like, maybe this will get better. Maybe it'll pivot. And it just didn't. And it's like, I wanted to like it. I didn't know anything about it going in. And that's probably the worst thing that's true. Um without context, like I had to look so this movie's based on a novel. With no context of knowing what the novel is about, this movie is completely unredeemable as far as I'm concerned. It makes no goddamn sense. And I I think that he was just up his own ass. This whole time which you would think was true the whole time i mean he literally threw himself into his own screenplay for adaptation and says that that's a thing you shouldn't do in the movie you know could not be more clear about how like that is technically incorrect this is just like my guess is he's just like i know how to write scripts better than anybody look at how good this script is you know what I mean? It's like a writer's fucking wet dream, probably. Like, look at all look at all the things I packed into this that you have to analyze. No. Th- this is where the surrealism thing comes into the thing. <laughs> it comes into the conversation for me because what the fuck? He shouldn't be doing surrealist things. That's the point. Like anytime I've mentioned that it's surreal, like with Synecdoche, it doesn't work. Because he just throws it on the top. It's like not a part of it. Basically, just for, I'm just going to fucking say it. The book is about a couple who goes to see the boyfriend's parents. The girlfriend wants to break up with the guy. Uh, didn't want to, so came on the trip reluctantly. She's like, fuck it. We'll go on this. I'll break up with him after. They just go see his parents. Okay. And the big reveal is that it's like a big twist. Okay, but the whole thing is like unnerving. It's like a psychological thriller. This movie is fucking boring. There's no thriller elements to it. Like it kind of gets there. It like hints at like this might be like a horror movie. It kind of has like a Get Out vibe or like a, I don't know, that M. Night Shyamalan movie where like the parents get replaced. Just like a thing like that. You go to the house, things are uneasy. It seems like it might be a trap. You know, they like hint that maybe this girl's in trouble, like, maybe, but then they, like, retract it, and just go away, and it's just like, nope, actually, this is just weird, isn't this weird, it's like, yeah, it is, but it doesn't make any sense, like, (laughs) they, they don't commit to anything, and it's basically, Charlie Kaufman, like, saw this, or read this book, and saw it as his way to just throw in a bunch of speeches about existential stuff and shout out to writers he likes, or, hey, I'm going to make fun of intellectuals. Boom. Let's mesh all of these ideas that aren't related together and throw it at the fucking wall. And guess what? Nothing sticks. You know? It's It's just like, oh, these characters are going to say a bunch of lines of dialogue that are... Probably technically really clever and profound and, like, referencing something that you don't get unless you went to Harvard or whatever. That's my guess, frankly, because it must have gone over my head. That That's the only thing I can think of because what the fuck? I mean, constantly, they'll, they'll just a character will say one thing and then the other character will respond with a completely disjointed and unrelated thing and it doesn't land as oh this is weird it's just like no this just sucks this just isn't good it's just two people it's just people saying random things to each other you know and they try to make it seem like oh this the the female character doesn't have a real thing of reality Because, oh, all the little details keep changing, but, like, it's not in, like, a subtle way, it's not in an eerie way, you don't feel any of it happen. It just happens. Because I don't think he has the command as a director, like, it just doesn't showcase what it's trying to be. There are no, I don't know, unless I'm just impervious to thrillers now, which I don't think is true, uh... Just fucking nonsense. It was just fucking nonsense. It reminded me of like Southland Tales, if you've ever seen that. Just a fucking shit show. It's just a bunch of nonsense happening back and forth. And everybody's like, oh, look at how deep. It's not. I'm sorry. And if it is, then I'm sorry. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, either way. Uh, It's just like so disappointing. It reminded me of also, like, Us, like, Jordan Peele's Us. I thought that was fucking horrible, too. The thing is, like, it's cool if, like, you're like, okay, I'm going to write a bunch of really deep things into this movie. Here are my themes. Check out all these themes I have. It's like, yeah, great themes, buddy. The movie still has to be good. You know what I mean? Your entire movie can't be good based on, again, like, context. You know what I mean? Like, oh, if I read a bunch of articles and then piece the plot of the book together, and maybe if I read the book, then maybe I can get this. It's like, no, 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 no. The point is, like, is this good? Like, when I watch it, am I entertained? It's just like, yeah, you want to be weird. You want to be deep. I still want to have to, I still want to like the movie. You know? Whereas it's just... Like, the parents are just weird and creepy and not in a horror way. You know what I mean? Like, they're literally just, like, weird. It's just like, here, look at these off-kilter people being, like, annoying. Frankly. It's just like everybody in the movie is just, like, annoyed with each other or talking in a weird voice or yelling or rambling Nobody's ever interesting. They never give you a reason to care about anybody because nothing real ever happens. And I don't know. It's all just nonsense. And he and it doesn't go for it full throttle either. So that was where the Lynch comparisons come from. It's like amateur hour in comparison, right? David Lynch also only has eight movies. But over the course of like 40 years, you can't just like swing dick and all of a sudden... Here's your surreal movie. It's like, no, 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 no. You have to believe in this stuff. You can't just chuck shit in and pepper it on top. Has to be, like I said, it has to be in the story. Nothing in the story is inherently like anything else <laughs> in the movie. Because also like the, the main part of this movie, it's supposed to be like, oh, here's a big existential crisis, but it's just people rambling, a bunch of nonsense disjointedly again uh, I've repeated myself like four times that's all I'm gonna say it's frustrating it's frustrating because <sighs> Charlie I mean my expectations were through the roof and I, I could not be more bummed out I don't understand the critical thing with this how, how did people think this was good You know, it's either you just have to rep Kaufman. Maybe you don't want to look dumb. But come on. What a a sad attempt at whatever this was supposed to be. It was fucking nonsense. Okay? And then you read the summary of what the book's about. And it's like, oh, well, that would have been better. That sounds like that would be a cool-ass movie, (laughs) frankly. And it's like, how do we strip it away of all entertaining things? How do we make... How do we make all of this completely dumb? How do we put no real characters in this movie? And that's what that, that's like what us was. Us us sucked, okay? Maybe Jordan Peele is brilliant. You know, I think the jury's still out because right now he's one for two. Uh, don't understand how everybody repped that movie so hard. It sucked. It sucked. Like, I get it. You want him to be the next guy? Doesn't mean you have to like the movie. You know, it made a lot of money. Give him another movie. Don't tell me that that was good. Fuck off. It's pretentious. Give me that over artsy shit. That's what I'm saying. Like, I want to like the movie. I don't want to like the script. (laughs) You know, it's like, damn, that was well written. Technically, even though I didn't like it. Well, what's the fucking point then? (sighs) So anyway... That movie ranks dead fucking last. I would rather watch Human Nature every day of my life. Again, not that it's like terrible, terrible, but... I will never watch I'm Thinking of things again. There is no, like, oh, maybe I missed something. There's no way. There's no way. I looked <clears throat> at the thing and saw that there was 30 minutes left, and I was like, dude... I don't know if I can make it. It was grueling. So... Just a heads up, if you're thinking about watching that, be ready to be fucking disappointed. And if you liked it, let me know why. You know, call me out. Pretend like you're really smart <laughs> and pretend like it was good. That's fine. We can talk about it. Whew. Didn't, I honestly didn't expect the Kaufman thing to go this long, uh, but it's good. You know, drank a whole cup of coffee and filled out an episode. <laughs> so, uh, hope you're interested because that certainly lasted a long time. Uh, but now we're going to swing around. Um, I realize that I should be saving sports for the end. I know that that's more of the marginalized audience. (laughs) Marginalized? Incorrect usage of words. Take that back. But this is what we do at this show. See what I mean? I let it go, and then I take it back. I could easily just stop this recording, go back, delete it, make it seem like it didn't happen. No, 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 no. I'm a person. (laughs) And y'all are going to see where I'm at. So, anyway... Not marginalized. (laughs) Um, But the smaller corner of the base, I get it. So here we go into sports corner, I guess, is what that's called. Boy, I really keep just clearing my throat right into the mic. If I do it again, I will go back and delete it, (laughs) even though I just talked about how I won't do that. Don't worry. I got you. Uh, So I'll just say, obviously, my NBA predictions didn't go (laughs) very well. Didn't put a lot of thought into them, although I would have taken the Bucks to make it to the finals no matter what. They were better than everybody. So, I mean, that's just on Giannis for not stepping up. Uh, kind of embarrassing, frankly. The Celtics did win, though, so I got that sleeper pick still going, although the Heat will probably beat them. Uh, the Rockets obviously didn't, didn't go well, but uh, I've been watching. So I'm just going to make my... <laughs> I guess predictions for the rest of the way just so uh just to kind of redeem myself. I'm going to take the Clippers going to the finals just because uh I do not like LeBron James and I don't think the Lakers are good. Really. I mean obviously James and Davis like killer combo. Those two better than year 2, but the rest of the team pretty whack. Do love Rondo though, especially in the playoffs. Rajon Rondo in like 2010 I used to get so much shit in high school because I used to say that he was the best point guard in the NBA, which was true, and I meant truly that—like, not the best player that played point guard, the best, like, true to his position, point guard. In 2010, was 100% Rajon Rondo. Nobody could pass like that guy. Nobody had handles like that guy at the time. I got a lot of shit because you know the Bulls had Derrick Rose, so everybody's like, "Dude, fuck you! Derrick Rose is the best point guard." And I'm just like, "Yeah, but he's not." You know, get your homer shit out of here. If we're going to talk, let's talk. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, Rondo's huge. So I guess they're big three now. Heat Celtics is tough. I want to take the Celtics, but (sighs) the Heat are so good. I'm going to take the Heat. I think we're going to see L.A. Miami. And I hope Jimmy Butler takes him fucking down because still rep Butler, even though. left. God, being a Chicago fan is pretty tough. Because right now, what do we have? We have the Cubs and the Sox, both in first place in the ghetto baseball season. That doesn't matter. You know? We got Trubisky starting, and it's like either way... Again, it's a lose lose. the The best case scenario is that we go three and zero. Trubisky plays like shit the whole time. Then in game four, he plays so bad that he finally costs us a game. Like he almost costs us a game every time, but we somehow get bailed out. Right? We start at three and zero, and it's like Jesus, how is he playing? And it's like, yeah, but they're three and zero, right? So you kind of can't argue it. Then he just really shits the bed game four, and then we're like, all right, Falls is going the rest of the way, boom. Or you know, we go like six and two and then that happens or maybe he gets hurt i don't want him to get hurt though you know i don't want to predict a scenario where a guy gets hurt that's never cool uh and i've slowly realized just how weird it is how much we normalize that that it's like up oh, towards acl he's out it's like can you imagine the pain that man must be going through and uh it's just like yeah he broke his elbow he'll be out for two weeks like, he broke his elbow that sounds terrible <laughs> anyway so that, that that's my slightly bold NBA prediction. It's not bold at all. There's only fucking going to be four teams left. Watch the Clippers lose to the Nuggets hasn't even <laughs> hasn't even gone on yet. Um so yeah, anyway, the reason why I pointed out at the beginning that I was recording this on Sunday morning is because obviously the NFL season starts today. I was going to record tomorrow and do this. And then get my prediction so anyway what i'm doing now is i'm going to give division winners and then wild card prediction winners and then maybe i'll do like a super bowl thing but i'm never good at i'm never good at the super bowl thing it never works out it's like i can kind of pick how the playoffs will go once they're set early season predictions are the hardest thing to do you know goes without saying because you never know what the fuck's gonna happen um, and I wanted to do it on Monday because that I thought that would be interesting to watch week one and then I could react and overreact <laughs> on all of my picks. But I didn't want it to affect my decision making. I wanted to have final decisions and not have them be compromised by any type of information bias, you know. um So... And I know that the Thursday game happened already, but it didn't really affect anything for me. I think we all knew the Chiefs were going to beat the Texans. Also, I will just say, on that game, I understand that, like, the Sunday night football, their thing is that they have to have a narrative. Like, they're, even as commentators, like, it's a production and it's a show that they're trying to put on. And they really want to fill the... I don't like it, frankly, but... Their narrative was that the Texans are somehow better without DeAndre Hopkins. And they're like oh, well, now Deshaun Watson doesn't have a crutch. It's like that's the best thing you could want. You know, like they're trying to make it seem like they're the Rockets and now the floor's opened up that they got rid of Clint Capella. It's like football doesn't work like that. You want a guy to attract a lot of attention. Then that's what opens it up for other people. So I don't know where they thought that that narrative would make sense. Did Bill O'Brien, like, tip them off and say, oh, no, it makes a lot of sense. This is what we're doing. You're not better without the third best receiver in the NFL, arguably the best, you know, whatever. I just said third. It's just what came out. Fucking stupid. (laughs) Okay. Nobody thought that that was a good trade ever before this leading up to it. So don't go into this game and act like, oh, now the offense is going to open up. What are you talking about? Would the Saints be better without Michael Thomas? You're saying he has too many catches? They throw it to him too much? It's like he catches the, play, you know what I mean. He catches the ball. Fuck ten yards. Fuck ten touchdowns. What are you talking about? It's not like you're chucking the ball and it never works. Why would you not want DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, I'm asking that for the Texans. Obviously, nobody knows why they would do that, but I just on a on a commentary level, like the fact that you could even try to spin that narrative is insane. I don't get why these shows, they want to have these takes that are just hot for the sake of being hot. Well, and then it results in this. I get it. I get it. They got the reaction out of me. It worked. But it's like there's no way you think that. There's no way you think that. Come on. Like, there's a reason why they fucking sucked. You know what I mean? DeAndre Hopkins wasn't there. There was nobody, there was no one else to throw to. There was no main guy. Come on. Come on. That's basic. Y'all are better than that. Anyway, uh, so I'm just going to go division by division. I'm going to pick winners and wildcard, I guess, for each conference as well. Now, three wildcard teams this year, so that's exciting. That allows me opportunities to not fuck this up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just gives me more options. Be like, Well, I didn't win the division, but I was right about them making the playoffs. I can make a lot of excuses. So, diving in. Let's start with the AFC East. I'm just gonna go in order of the standings. Uh, so I'm gonna pick the bills to win. I mean come on, they're gonna make the jump, I think. and the, uh, the thing is that I'm picking New England as a wild card team. okay? I don't understand the narrative that they're like gonna suck this year. They improved at quarterback for their team at least. Let's just be honest. They went 12 and 4. Everybody wants to act like because the second half wasn't good. Their record was still 12 and 4. It's not the end of the world. And I get it, you wanna it's the Patriots. Higher standards, you wanna act like everything's a bigger deal. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's really not. You know, Brady just didn't fit in the offense anymore. The skill position guys just weren't ready. Maybe they're still not. I don't know. But come on. <laughs> the defense is still going to be great. Yeah, they had the opt outs. You're trying to tell me that they're not going to be. They always fill in the holes. It's just insane to discount it now. I just think the Bills might win 12, 13 games themselves. Patriots might lose a little, couple more. You know, they're going to win 10, 11 games. Get the fuck out of here. 9 and 7 is probably their floor, as far as I'm concerned. 8 and 8. But come on. Stop with that nonsense. And you know, if if they finally have a losing season, then so what? Frankly, the fact that they have won twelve games every year for twenty fucking years—it's like let them have one anyway. Not that people are saying it would be crazy if they had a bad season, but I'd be fine with it either way. I just I don't see how this team is like bad now. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, they lost to the Dolphins. They've lost to the Dolphins before. It's not that crazy. I get that that team wasn't that good. So what? You know, some you lose games. <laughs> you know, they only went undefeated once, and then they still lost. You know, you always lose to somebody. It's just how it works. So everybody relax on that. Now, I want to be bold and say that the Bengals are going to make it <laughs> when I look at the AFC North. Uh, Baltimore's going to win the division, everybody picking Pittsburgh. Like, oh, look at my clever idea. No, come on. The Ravens are gonna win 12 games at least, again. It's just on that alone. Uh, Steelers will make the playoffs. Do I have them picked? Yeah, I do. There's three slots. Uh, next division, Tennessee. How does nobody think that they're gonna make the leap? They made it to the title game, and everybody's like, yeah, they're gonna go eight and eight. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> they're gonna go up. Plus, they got Jadavion Clowney now? I think that they win 11, 12 games. Like I think them and the Bills are gonna be like, oh, we are elite teams now, at least for a year. Who knows about longevity? The Colts are gonna suck. I don't know how anybody's picking the Colts. Why would you pick? Why would you bring Philip Rivers in? You're ruining all the continuity you had with Brissett all year. He only started to play poorly once he got hurt, and he just never got better. That's not, that's not on him. And Vinatieri was missing all those kicks. They should have made the playoffs even as is. And I, you know what I mean? I don't see what an aging Phil Rivers does, because then if your goal is to win, you're not going to get a high enough draft pick to get a new hot young quarterback. So what, you're just going to go back to Brissett. It's like, why even bring in another guy? Doesn't make sense. So I think that that's going to fuck them up. And plus, I mean, T.Y. Hilton's never going to last a year. Uh, I have Houston as a wild card team because I think Deshaun Watson is elite enough that he's just one of those guys. He brings his team to the playoffs. That's how it's going to be, I think, going forward. Um, he's got the extension now, like he's not on a rookie deal, so you can't act like he's a young quarterback. He's getting paid big money. You got to bring your team to the playoffs every year, or at least close. You know what I mean? Elite guys make it just about every year, so... I think that they're a wild card team. Because again, like, yeah, they lose to Andre Hopkins. They're still going to move the ball. It's not like their offense is terrible. Now, hopefully, Will, Fer- Will Fuller can stay healthy, but that seems unlikely. So, what do we got? So far, I have New England, Pittsburgh, and Houston as the wild cards. So, that means none left, which is fine because Kansas City's obviously going to win the West. If that if that doesn't happen, biggest shocker of the year. Something terrible would have to happen. Just knocked on wood because, you know, I want to see them. They're going to be the Patriots now. Mahomes is unstoppable. And that Thursday game, all it did was remind me, we could have had either one of these guys, and we have neither. And life is rough. You know what I mean? It's like, football season's back. Oh, Bears fans, be depressed. You could have had either one of these guys. You don't imagine if Mitchell Trubisky was on the Texans in that game. There's not; it doesn't even it stays thirty-one-seven. I don't know if it even if there even is a seven. That might just be a shutout. <laughs> Horrendous. I'll never get over it. I'll never get over it. Like unless we win a Super Bowl in the next amount of years, next two years, three years, with him or without him. You know what I mean? If the moves all even out to where we still end up winning a title somehow. I'll forgive it, but that's not going to happen, and it's very upsetting. (laughs) Moving on to the NFC. See, I feel like I kind of know what I'm talking about in football. I prepared. (laughs) You know what I mean? I pay attention. NBA picks were rough. I know. I kind of did it hastily. I didn't really plan it. It's Probably my biggest regret (laughs) of all time. Just kidding. Man, I'm really hopped up on that coffee still, so I'm sorry, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen uh NFC. what's up not a good conference <laughs> in my opinion but here we go uh east dallas i think that division sucks the eagle type everybody acts like they're still good from the super bowl that was a fluke team can we just admit it They already have announced that Miles Sanders is out. I mean, they can't keep teams healthy. They need to redo their entire, like, training staff, I think, because they're clearly not protecting their guys, or they need to redo their scouting and get more durable guys. Don't know what to recommend, but, I mean, come on. I I just don't get it. I don't see it happening. I think Dallas will win more games with a real head coach. And... I mean, apparently C.D. Lamb's the best receiver on the team, which I hope is true because I got him on my fantasy team. <laughs> uh, I don't know how that team fucked up that bad down the stretch. Their offense was amazing, so the fact that they didn't win more games is pathetic. I think that they'll turn around, and I think that that's Dallas' thing, right? One year, they go 12-4, and 13-3, and, and then everybody thinks they're good for three or four years, and then they'll do it again and they finally meet their expectations. So we have them again, and it just resets. I think now they're due for a good winning year. Do they go far in the playoffs? Probably not. Also, I love Kellen Moore. Big Kellen Moore guy. Uh, Don't have anybody else making it. Fuck the Eagles. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Now the North. Oh, I'm not going to pick the Bears. I don't think that they're going to win the division. I'm going to pick the Packers. They went 13-3. So, you know, we can't say that they're not that good. Maybe they intentionally, like, they, they did enough to win 13 games. We can't act like they suck and barely scrape by. You can't accidentally win 13. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they were supposed to only win 10 based on talent. But, like, you can't be, like, a six-win team and end up winning 13. So, like, they're good. You know, and trust me, as a guy who's watched Aaron Rodgers tear us the fuck up every year, he still got it. He weirdly no longer sets his feet to throw ever. I noticed this. Well, you know, just a couple times I watched him <clears throat> last year, including the playoffs. Every single throw he throws, like his shoulders are square, but his feet are just forward. He like he has a normal stance. But then when he goes to throw it, it's like he's literally just like standing still and he throws like flat footed every time. It's like, we get it, man. You're talented, but there's a reason why you're sailing all these balls, dude, if you would just keep your form. So maybe his knee was messed up last year. Like maybe that lingered. I don't know. Uh but they may be even he may be even better. Their their whole thing about like we need receivers. I mean, yes. Who doesn't? Like, you always want more weapons, but just having Devontae Adams steps your shit up. It's like having DeAndre Hopkins. You know what I mean? Like, you got an elite guy. Stop complaining. Partially. Uh, The inverse of that is on the Bears. I feel so bad for Allen Robinson. He might technically be the best receiver in the NFL. The fact that he had 1,000 yards last season when the offense was fucking abysmal they couldn't do anything uh if you don't remember there was a point where Matt Nagy just took a knee to kick a field goal because he's like they we couldn't throw because they knew it so we couldn't run it because they knew we weren't gonna throw it's like yeah man it's called situational football you have to beat the other team so but just that much of a lack of confidence I still have the Bears as a wild card team that is a homer pick. Won't deny it. The defense is unbelievably good. Like, the offense was so bad that that's like a three-win offense. And we won eight games. That defense is unbelievable. I think we get a little bit more of a turnover bump because we went crazy two years ago. That season will haunt my brain, like the way the Safety brothers talked about the Knicks when they had Carmelo and they were good for a moment. The Bears' season 12-4 and four two years ago is going to haunt me, just like the Bulls when they had 62 wins. It's just like we were right there. The defense is good. I think they'll get some turnovers back, okay? So they're wild card one for me. Next division. I have New Orleans and Tampa Bay making it. I don't know who's going to win. I'm going to pick New Orleans just because, you know, that's the team that's been around. Tampa Bay's going to be good. They're going to be good. Brady wouldn't have gone. They're going to make the playoffs. Do they do well? I don't know. It's going to be hard to see. I don't know. I'm interested to see if they're going to shift the offense to be a little more Brady-suitable, a little less Arians-heavy. We'll see. They they have the running backs, too, that they can just run it 30 times, 40 times a game if they really wanted to. So, I mean, the balance could be there. Very interested to see. They're easily the most interesting team going into the year. But New Orleans is going to win. I mean... I think that even if Jameis ends up having to come in again because Breeze gets hurt again or whatever, I think he'll be fine. That's the thing. Everybody acts like, here's who he is. Here's who he is. It's like the dude's 24, 25, however old he is. If somebody would just make an effort, you know, it's weird that the NFL just figured out that you should build your system around your players and not just plug people into the system regardless of their fit. <laughs> You know, and then you're surprised when a guy doesn't succeed. It's like, well, you're not playing to any of his strengths. So maybe give that a try. Just me, though. We'll see. And then uh, San Francisco. So yeah, wow. This The NFC West is the best division in the NFL. That's going to be, that's my bold statement. Um, But, I mean, top to bottom, they're all capable of winning the division, I think. Arizona would be the long shot, obviously, because their record wasn't good and has yet to be good, but Kyler Murray will probably step up, you know? Uh, But I don't think that they'll make the playoffs. So I already have two wild card spots. Who's going to get the last one? Bold. This is my only bold pick. Uh, it's not. I just don't think the 49ers are going to make the playoffs. I got Seattle winning the division. Russell Wilson, come on. Uh, DK Metcalf was unbelievable as a rookie, only going to improve, you know. I, I just got him, and I got the Rams coming back for a wild card. I don't know if it's a hard knocks bias. Should learn that you should never deal with that. Speaking of which, didn't even mention the Chargers. Fuck them, you know. uh yeah i just think the super bowl drop off that's like always a thing the rams themselves didn't make the playoffs after losing in the super bowl i don't think the niners should have been 13 and 3 and the fact that everybody was just like the niners are gonna win the niners are gonna win all of a sudden everybody just forgets that like playoff experience matters and like you have to make it lose Go back the next year, and then you have a shot. It's what happened with Seattle when they first had their come up. It's what happens with every team. You know what I mean? Like You have to be good first. Then you can win. Very rarely are you going to be able to just walk right in. You know? It's like, I guess like, the, like in basketball, the Clippers, you could kind of say that, but like Kawhi's done it. So it's different. You know, the Lakers haven't done it either, but LeBron's done it. So it makes sense. But nobody's like, the Celtics are going to do it. No, it's like they're a year away. Now, they easily might, you know what I mean? But it's not something you can easily predict in that regard. So that's just my thing. I never understood. Like, I was like, I'm picking the Chiefs just because, well, Patrick Mahomes. But they were in the AFC title game last year, and they lost, which means their next step is to go one step further. The Niners, first year out of nowhere. Jimmy G, like, first time even being in the playoffs, you know. I do think that the narrative that they don't trust him, so they only threw 10 balls or whatever, 6, 8, however few, it's just like, why wouldn't you do that if you could? If you could run it 40 times for 300 yards and never need to throw it, that sounds like a really, really safe and awesome game plan. You know? Like, it's not about stats. It's about winning. You know? I don't know. Is he an elite Elite, no, but uh, I'll take him over what we got. You know what I mean? Especially because he's the hometown hero, Jimmy G. Jimmy G. But yeah, so I think that they're going to miss the playoffs. They probably won't, but I just don't have any more wild card spots (laughs) because I picked the Bears. (laughs) I used my own bias to cut the NFC champions out of the playoffs completely because I do think the Rams will make it back. Uh, So those are my NFL spots. There we go. (sighs) We'll see how that goes. Might not go well, but uh, kickoff's in a couple hours. Going to have to go get myself at least a 12-pack of beer to last the day. And football season's back. It's the best shit ever. Best time of the year. Fall's about to start. You know, keep wearing your mask. Because shit's about to hit the fan in that regard. But as long as the season keeps churning. Sunday, Monday, Thursday. Every day is the best day of the week. During football season. Which isn't true. But God, I love Sundays. Uh, not as much as I love Tuesdays, though. So we'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please rate, review, subscribe. Follow me on Instagram at Adam.RFat. Link in bio. It takes you all the cool stuff. Uh, send us an email. What do you got? What thoughts you got? Yell at me <laughs> about how dumb all my opinions just were today. RFatpodcast gmail.com. And we're going to bounce. Before we do, just remember, I are fat. You are fat. We are fat. Calculator, everybody.